Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. This program is all about our state's largest industry, agriculture. If you miss a program on the broadcast, subscribe to Spotify or Apple Podcasts to get the latest shows right there on your smart device. Or better yet, download the IBX Media app. All the Talk 96.3 and 103.7 locally produced programs are there and waiting for you. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll talk with NC State professor and extension specialist, Dr. Roderick Rehesus. Our topic, cover crops and crop insurance. The two can be linked. Very interesting. Jeff Turner is my co-host, the COO of Murphy Family Ventures and member of the North Carolina Board of Ag. Jeff and I will hit the headlines in just a second. Agriculture in North Carolina is sponsored by Ag Carolina Farm Credit. First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Now's the time when we hook up with our Duplin County studios, and how are things, Mr. Turner? I'm great, Dan. I hope you're doing well today. I am. You kicked that flu thing that you had? Well, you didn't have the flu. You had common cold? I think we call it the crud in Pinkville. <laughs> And, uh, and I still have a hacking cough, but uh, this too shall pass. It always does. Hey, you have a Board of Agriculture meeting it's, uh, Monday the 17th. Doesn't look like a whole lot. Are you going to make a trip to Raleigh? You know, I'll probably call in on this one. It's, uh, it is a light meeting and approving rules and the recommendations that are coming forth on rule changes and rule review. So it's uh, kind of a light agenda this time. Yeah, I noticed one of those hot-button issues for the rabbit importation rule. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it seriously, it, it sounds... Like it's not a big deal, but actually it is. Anytime you, you bring another animal or a species in from another state or country, you, you got to have rules oh. in order to prevent spread of disease and all sorts of things. So, and the commissioner wants to know if there's a hair in his state. Uh, <laughs> here's a question for you. Have you had to deal with any gypsy moth issues? We have not. I have seen a lot of um, crop dusting going on. I think it may be stink bugs and corn. It's interesting. I just read an article on, uh, you know, this, the drone concept is certainly an area that will expand. Not exactly. Well, it is commercially viable, but not as good as, uh, ground sprayers at this point. Though I would say, by the way, farmers, if you got a grandson, get him a drone for Christmas. I think so. Yeah. I, one of our neighbors I haven't visited with him, but I, I've seen pictures. He has the drone that does allow him to tank and kind of atomize certain chemicals. You know, a lot of these chemicals have become so low volume yeah. that, that it's really easy to, to use. I mean, a pyrethrin, for instance, where we used to put two quarts of lanate on an acre of soybeans, you, you use an ounce or whatever of a pyrethrin, you get the same result. As volume has gone down, the use of these drones probably will be embraced, I would think. Yeah, and I think that's where we're headed. I mean, the cost of physically trucking the volume of uh, chemicals yeah. around, number one, and the fact that drones just can't carry that amount of weight. So I think exactly what you're saying, which is is we concentrate, and obviously our technology is getting better to hit one spot on a field that you would have never thought of years ago. Jeff, I want you to be politically correct, because part of my mission in this program is, is, is to make you politically correct. So you have to get gypsy moth out of your, that, that's, that's a derogatory term. We call them now the spongy moth. I suspect if I looked him up, it'd still be a damn gypsy. <laughs> it says, it, the new reference is spongy moth, parenthesis, formerly known as gypsy moth. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's still a gypsy moth, folks. Most of our counties in the east, with the exception of Dare County, have had, have been pretty well most uh, done as far as the uh, gypsy moth is concerned. And let me ask real quick, new car sales are still moving Used car sales slowing down a little bit because there's not the incentive programs on financing, so it's it's sort of a flashback to what car sales used to be a little bit. But are you seeing inventory issues and things beginning to uh, ease a little bit in manufacturing? The car business may be getting a little bit better. It's still not where it ought to be, especially smaller dealers. They still they, they're still struggling. I think. However, it, I do see some light, and I'm I'm appreciative to see that, especially for rural communities, you know, you don't want to live in Wallace or Pink Hill or somewhere in rural North Carolina. And, and I, I think the way some of these companies view the world is, well, you just drive to Raleigh right. and pick up your automobile. That so goes against everything that they these folks stood for for years, buy local, service local. I see it or view it as, a again, just one more attack on uh, North Carolina, the rural part of the world. They want you to Go to the population center to do business. And by the way, the only thing they want to sell in the population center is an, an electric vehicle, for instance. And, and so they're not going to stock a Ford F-250 or a, a 2500 GMC, whatever. Mm-mm. They're going to have an electric vehicle sitting there. And I got to tell you, you can't haul much on an electric vehicle today. If I was standing in the middle of Williamston, I could drive, uh, literally a couple dozen miles and hit three or four Chevy dealers back in. Well, 2010. Now, yeah, that, that number's down to one. I think they're trying to squeeze them out and they get the smaller ones first and then the midsize go away and then you're, you're just left with mega, mega dealers. That's not good. I think it's unfortunate. Ah, that's the case with John Deere too. There used to be a lot of independent John Deere names and now there's right. not. I mean, they're all consolidated today. And yeah. the, the other thing that, um, it, it really makes you wonder. So-called economists in our government, I heard one say the other day, a few months ago, they couldn't understand the spike in used car prices. You said they were going down, and yeah, they're going down. Those idiots couldn't figure out why they went up. All they have to do is look at one used car lot, just one, and you'll figure it out. There's, It was an inventory issue. Now there's a money issue. The manufacturers are subsidizing the sale of new vehicles through lower interest rates, and interest rates on used vehicles are high. Sales on and used I got vehicles somebody, are going to slow down. I have somebody in the federal government that's supposed to be helping understand policy, <laughs> and they can't figure out the most basic thing of supply and demand. That that. Uh, that that should scare the life out of everybody if that's who you've got setting policy. Well, talk about government programs. That's sort of our topic of discussion today as we talk to Dr. Roderick Rejesus, farm insurance, cover crops. And uh, I've got questions, Jeff, because this is an area that uh, is all gray to me. Should be a good interview. This is Ag and NC, made possible in part by Syngenta, a leading agricultural company helping to improve global food security by enabling farmers to make better use of available resources. The future lies in precision agriculture. Create your plan with help from Syngenta. This is Ag and NC. I'm Dan Miller, along with my co-host, Jeff Turner, and we're joined by NC State professor and extension specialist, Dr. Roderick Rijesus. On this program, we always like to get a little uh, background on the person we're talking to, so if you could take us way back to where you're from and how you got started in agriculture and ag finance. Born in the Philippines, so I'm from the Philippines originally. 
my parents are actually academic entomologists. So that's sort of my real initial foray into agriculture. And we have a small sort of, you know, farm in, in the Philippines as well. My parents are all interested in bugs, and I'm not so interested in bugs. I guess I'm more interested in, in how to make money out of farming and, and, and agriculture. And so that's why I was interested in, in agricultural economics. Went to Clemson for my master's, went to Illinois for my Ph.D., and uh, after that, just gotten involved in, in U.S. agricultural issues as well. And I, my first academic position was at Texas Tech, and now I'm here at NC State. How long, how long have you been at NC State? Uh, all, going on 16 years. Wow. And, and your background and area of expertise, crop insurance, crop policy, also uh, touching on carbon? Over the last five years, I've been interested in the economics of soil health, so cover crops and, and no-till and so forth, and that's intimately related to uh, greenhouse gas emissions and carbon and those kinds of stuff. Over the last, say, six years, have you seen a faster adoption of cover crops in, here in North Carolina specifically, but also the U.S. and around the world? Yeah, so in the U.S. in general, there's a, a fast increase. So I guess if you look at just the 2012 census and the 2017 census, there was a big jump in adoption. But I say that with a caveat that, yeah, there was a big jump, but at, in 2017, that based on that census, it's still around 4 or 5% adoption rate in, for the whole U.S. And in North Carolina, it's relatively higher. It's around 10%. There is an increase in cover crop, but it's still relatively low relative to, say, for example, no-till. So no-till or conservation tillage nationwide, it's around 35 40% adoption rate. Yeah, you know, I think carbon markets were going to be that they were the, they were the fat and and money started flowing out not as much money flowing out now for carbon sequestration than has been. I just read that in an article from Land Lakes, but that was really the push, was it not, to get people started on uh, getting cover crops in? Not started, I should say, but expanding the base. Yeah, so that's one of the one of the reasons, right? So it's sort of like there's there's uh, this carbon sequestration benefit. To, co- uh, to cover crops and other soil health practices like, like no-till. I don't think the carbon markets are going away. It's just sort of in that process of figuring out how, how it'll work type of thing. There's been recognition from the government, from the industry as well, that there are other benefits from cover crops. It's not just the carbon. There could be sort of resilience impacts. It could be yield improvement impacts over time. It could be sort of soil health impacts, less, less erosion issues. And so, yes, the carbon and the greenhouse gas aspect of cover crops is a big part of it. There are other benefits that sort of people are recognizing, which is why also the government is not just carbon markets. The government has allocated more money to support these kinds of practices. You did some research on whether cover crops overall lower insurance claim rates for crop damage. So we did, well, two studies. One looking at prevented planning claims in particular, and also on uh, crop insurance indemnities in particular. Yes, I guess the bottom line is that we find some evidence that counties with higher cover crop adoption tend to have lower losses in particular due to sort of excess moisture, not so strong of an evidence, but there is still an evidence in terms of losses due to drought. When you plant a cover crop of rye or whatever, 
uh, if, if that's chopped back in or goes back to the soil, that there's not only the, the additional organic matter that could hold moisture, the benefit of the free fertilizer, if you will, may get that crop off to a little better start. That's that's a one possible mechanism, right? But uh, one issue that our producers need to keep in mind, though, that that the impact will probably not be instantaneous, right? If you plant cover crop now, I you wouldn't expect big increase in soil health in organic matter in this same year. It could take a while, but over time, is from our research using data from the Midwest with that improvement in soil health, organic matter, infiltration, and so forth, you increase resilience over time. So that's sort of the, the, the key thing. It's not quick thing, but over time, there will be resilience and risk reduction benefits. Does no-till get a different rate for crop insurance? Should it? Historically, all your practices will be embodied in your yield history. So whether it be no-till or irrigation yep. or whatever else that you put, your fertilizers, it will be embodied in your historical yields. And so the argument of the risk management agency, RMA, which is the agency in charge of crop insurance, is that let's just say no-till does in fact reduce risk. Over time, it will be incorporated in the premium. Now, again, the key word is over time. That's the question that has to be discussed is, well, do we want a premium for these different kinds of practices? From the government perspective, is there's lots of different practices that could reduce risk. The current system already accounts for it through their historical rating system, but it will take time to, to incorporate. I think we've come to a good place for a pause. Jeff and I will be back with more with Dr. Rehesus in just a moment. But first, Bill Carone Cars in Wallace is the only Chevy GMC dealer in eastern North Carolina to be an AgPAC dealer, which means any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you probably already use, everything from tires to crop products. Check out the advantages of the AgPAC program at Bill Carone Cars in Wallace. Here on Talk 96.3 and 103.7, this is Ag and NC. Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner. We're joined by Dr. Rehesus, NC State professor and extension specialist, talking about ag insurance. And, Jeff, you had a question teed up before the break. Well, I, I, I'm reaching way back. It was There was a time I was in the insurance business and so crop insurance. And as I recall, you used to use as a base of insurance, I think there was like a county average. As I was leaving, I think we were kind of transitioning that you could actually use your own records from previous history. So you're, if, in fact, your practices are improving your yields, therefore, you got a better rate or a better yield to insure based on your own practices. That, well, that's, that kind of bakes in all those best management practices that you've incorporated over time. Yes, exactly. So there's like individual policies. That, that, that's the thing that what you're talking about, right? So those are based on your yield histories, and that's, that's the basis of your premiums. So in, essentially, the way the premiums work is you, your individual performance, your individual yield history, will be compared to the county average. So if you're better than the county average, because of all these practices that you've, you've incorporated over the years, say no-till, cover crops, all these other good practices that's agronomically recommended, 
that will be reflected in your good yield history already, and your premiums will be lower than, say, somebody that doesn't uh, apply those practices over time. So your premium is better if if your own production history is greater than the county average. That's where the so-called discount comes from. Exactly. And you could choose if I want to insure 50% or 75%. Exactly. So I guess you'll have your own history, right? So say say your average is 150 bushels per acre of corn, right? You could choose to insure 50% of that, or you could insure up to 85% of that in 5% increments. So basis is, a, is something that I keep hearing about from Washington. And uh, as Congress looks at, uh, well, let's say, hopefully, races to get a farm bill accomplished by the end of September. Explain, as far as crop insurance is concerned, exactly why that's a hot topic. So this question goes to that, that your historical yield, right? So there's lots of ways to calculate your historic yields. Now, the problem is, for example, if you have, let's just say, three consecutive years of you know, you're being hailed out. Your average yield will go down. And so a lot of regulations or or rules could be put in place to essentially take out those bad years to push you up your coverage. So say, for example, if I had five straight normal weather years, I could average 150 bushels per acre. And that's my basis of my coverage. But say I had three straight hurricanes, I got wiped out your average will go down, right? A hundred whatever bushels per acre. And then we were talking earlier, if your average is slower than the county's average as well, your premiums will go up because you're essentially your history is, is, is bad. And so Congress and RMA and USDA are figuring out, okay, should we sort of take out those years so that you'll have a good coverage still at 150 bushels per acre rather than a lower level? And what are fair sort of rules to sort of maintain my level of coverage? Does that make sense, Dan? Well, and, you know, I'm a little nervous because I I don't think I'm smarter than the average bear, but I don't think some of our senators and congressmen are either, so. I hear you. North Carolina-specific when it comes to crop insurance, some of our specialty crops, is everything covered, sweet potatoes? I mean, is it farmers can actually use, like, enterprise coverage for everything they cover, or how, do, how does that work? So the, the, the quick answer is no, right? So the, 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 the crops that are widely covered, essentially they're big row crops, corn, soybeans, cotton, wheat. Uh, so for those crops, no problem. You'll have crop insurance, different kinds of crop insurance coverage that you could choose from. If you're sweet potato like or tomatoes or, or these kinds of stuff, those are typically considered underserved commodities in crop insurance. So for corn and soybeans, there are individual policies that you could buy for those individual crops. Now, if you're a specialty crop grower, you don't have individual policies for some of them, say strawberries or blueberries or something like that. The option that you could have is what they call the whole farm revenue protection, WFRP, that could sort of cover those sort of fruits, vegetables, historically been, quote-unquote, underserved from the USDA perspective. So it's a whole farm insurance coverage that's based on your tax revenue, your tax records, rather than actual yields. 
as far as dairy is concerned, what is there for insurance, federally backed insurance in the dairy folks? Dairy uh, is a different beast, so to speak. They have their own sort of like they call a margin insurance. It's relatively new, but it functions a little bit differently than the traditional uh, crop insurance that, say, for goes uh, the revenue insurance for, for corn and soybeans. So there is, but it's a little bit different. It's, I think it's a margin, it's a margin insurance product. Dr. Ray Jesus, thank you so much. Appreciate uh, your expertise and uh, hope to be able to put you on speed dial. No, no problem. Go ahead. <laughs> thank you for your time today. And thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Agriculture in North Carolina on Talk 96.3 and 103.7 is thanks in part to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, financing rural North Carolina for generations, lending solutions for farms, land, and homes personalized for you. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, giving you room to grow. This is Talk 96.3 and 103.7. I'm Dan Miller. Let's take a look at commodity prices last week. For cattle, sustained cash market strength sparked a weekly rise of $3.17.5 to gain in nearby August live cattle futures to a contract high close of one eighty seventeen and a half. August feeder futures ended the week at two forty six sixty five, which represented a weekly gain of one twenty two and a half. Despite signs of early week slippage and Wednesday's sharp setback, cash cattle turned decisively higher late week. August lean hog futures rose one dollar and five cents to ninety six twenty. Last week was not bad for the hog markets as they kept their near term price uptrend alive in August. Close to home, North Carolina egg prices were steady on all sizes when compared to the last report. North Carolina weighted average quoted Thursday, July thirteenth for small lot sales of delivered carton grade A eggs was one forty five eighteen for extra large, one thirty two thirty for large, one twenty two oh nine for medium, and eighty four dollars for small eggs. Number two yellow shell corn was thirty-one cents to one forty-one lower when compared to the last report. Prices ranged mostly five thirty-nine to five eighty-six at the feed mills and six thirty-four to six seventy-eight at the elevators through Thursday, July the thirteenth. Number one yellow soybeans were seven to sixty-one cents higher, ranged fifteen thirty-two to fifteen ninety at the processors, mostly thirteen seventy-eight to fourteen ninety-five at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was sixty nine cents to a dollar thirty two lower, range five nineteen to five thirty six at the elevators. Soybean meal FOB at processing plants was four seventy ninety to four eighty two thirty per ton for forty six and a half to forty eight percent protein. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery corn was five oh four to five eighty seven. Soybeans range twelve eighty seven to thirteen sixty five. That's this week's Agriculture in North Carolina. If you miss a show, subscribe to the podcast free on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Find our sponsors by heading to agnnc.com. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Agriculture in North Carolina, copyright 2023, Inner Banks Media. Support the show by calling Hank Hinton at 252-355-1037. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, have a great week.